Here are some details of tonight's programmes on radio and television. John Freeman will be talking to Charlie Drake in the first of a new series, Face to Knee. <laughs> and tonight sees the start of a new pop show where the singers are not allowed to mime. The show is called Ready, Steady, Back to the Labour Exchange. <laughs> Meanwhile, for those of you who are more easily pleased, here is 30 minutes of star-studded rubbish as Kenneth Horne takes you round the hall. so far. Last week we left swarthy, tattooed Betty Marsden cast adrift on a pedalo off Canvey Island by Black Bill Pertwee, the mad lighthouse keeper, and his mistress, the sultry Romanian temptress, Kenneth Williams. <laughs> Alone now in the silence, broken only by the cry of a passing albatross, played by Hugh Paddock, she drifts towards the sharp fangs of Barnacle Rock. Now read on. Suddenly, a huge, shapeless hulk loomed over her out of the mist. What strange prompting had lured this frightful sea monster forth from its primeval ooze? It reared upward and emitted a hoarse, dreadful cry. Hello, my name's Kenneth Horn. <laughs> and welcome to Round the Horn. Incidentally, that was Douglas Smith, who asks for 17 other offences to be taken into consideration. <laughs> Now for the answers, first of all, to last week's quiz. Now, the answer to question one was in six parts, as follows. Yes, yes, no, sometimes, never on Sunday, and not with a barge pole. <laughs> the other answers were the Grenadier Guards, the Royal Armoured Corps, the Welsh Fusiliers, and Cathy Kirby, <laughs> who was, of course, the odd man out. <laughs> well, most of you got that, actually. Uh, my deliberate mistake was General de Gaulle, who, as so many of you pointed out, does not play outside right for the Arsenal. <laughs> he is, of course, their left back. However, <laughs> to proceed, I am uh, I'm often asked, and I seldom refuse. <laughs> well, it, uh, it depends, really, on what I'm asked. And uh, one of the things I'm most often asked is, what do I look like? Well, what a pity you listeners at home can't see me. Never mind, I'll describe myself. Picture a tall, slender youth. Where? Be quiet. <laughs> Talking about me. Yes, picture a tall, slender youth with laughing eyes and a roguish twinkle in my mouth. Well, actually, it's my gold tooth. Uh, flaring, sexy nostrils and a mop of tousled, curly hair. It's his eyebrows. <laughs> Well, I would have had them trimmed, but I wanted to look casual, you see. And as to my bill, well, uh, the word magnificent has been done to death. Let's just say awe-inspiring with a, a touch of rococo around the waistband. Well, there you are. I just thought I'd like to fill you in. It's lies! It's all lies! Somebody else I'd like to fill in, too. But now, continuing our policy of outspoken comment and searing expose, we shall give you the facts you ought to know, whoever it may hurt. Pinky and Perky are not that way about Alma Cogan. <laughs> Doctor Who has been struck off for unprofessional conduct with a Dalek. <gasps> Betty Marsden wears women's clothing. <laughs> Publish and be damned, that's our motto. Not only will we name names, we shall give you places and dates as well. Bogner! Just 1923. Steam room at the Excelsior Turkish Baths, 1961. The back of the Naffy stores in Aldershot in 1947. <laughs> so 
you know, Petwee? Yes, Williams, the jig is up. Damn you, Petwee, damn you, damn you! <laughs> All right, Williams, the place is surrounded. Are you coming quietly? You'll never take me alive. Come and get me, copper! Oh. Come down from that light bracket. No, Mother, it's better this way. I was never any good. Forgive me, Mother. I'm rotten to the core. Kenneth, lad, this is your brother, Father O'Donovan. Can you hear me? <laughs> Afraid so, Mother. Perhaps tis better this way. Who knows? It's not for us to pass judgment. It's not that. Look at me, carpet. <laughs> there are six million stories in Round the Horn. This has been one of them. Explain it, we cannot believe it, we must, but listen to it, we don't have to. Now, <laughs> what do you think of when you hear... Answers, please, on a postcard to the Amelia Fulbright Home for Lasca Seaman, Canterbury. <laughs> well, it was, of course, a sound effect invented by that doyen of sound effects men, George Griswold, known better as the father of the modern... <laughs> Oh, how that takes me back. <laughs> and so, in tribute to Mr. Griswold and his team, this week in our series, The Backroom Boys of the BBC... <laughs> we'd like to feature the sound effects men. How's that, Mr. Griswold? I should take something for it, Polly. No, no, that's my thunder sound effect, which I've added a... To what end, may I inquire, Mr. Pollitt? Well, it represents Dan Archer having hiccups during a thunderstorm. Why? <laughs> Thunder makes him nervous. Where's it called for in the script? I see no mention of hiccups. It says viz, and I quote, Doris Archer. Why, I do declare it is thundering, to which Dan Archer replies, Goodness me, so it is. Then comes the sound effect of distant thunder. No hiccups. You're improvising again, Polly, aren't you? You're improvising. You know how angry that makes me. Look what you've done last week. You had a chicken mooing. <laughs> mooing it was. Sorry? It was mooing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're giving me mental thrashing, aren't you? <laughs> I know what I kill you, my boy. That's a travesty, a chicken mooing. What call has a chicken got to go mooing? Hey, it's flying in the face of nature. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Griswold. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Griswold. <laughs> sorry, butters, no parsnips. It put me off eggs for a week. <laughs> While you're serving under me, Polyp, you'll keep to what's required by the script. Now, this script I've got here, viz, The Fiend of Brompton Grange, calls for numerous and sundry effects, e.g. and to wit, an owl, an owl looting... 
sound of a werewolf climbing stairs, a door opening, sound of bed springs creaking, and a hoarse scream. What's the scream for? You'd scream if a huge, airy werewolf come climbing up your stairs. (laughs) Would you? And crept into bed with you. (laughs) Good job I'm not kinky. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm only asking because we're out of screams. Yeah, they're all out on easy beat. The nearest thing I got is a high-pitched squeal of merriment. Come now, Polly, is it likely that you'd find it humorous to find a huge, great, airy werewolf <laughs> snuggling up to your erstwhile sleeping form? It's no laughing matter. No, a scream is called for. You see if there's one in the files. I'll be back in the stockroom if you want me. Ah, Miss Bandersnatch. Are you ready for stock-taking? Yes, Mr Griswold. Good. You call them out and I'll mark them down. (laughs) One gross of (laughs) them. One gross? (laughs) What's next? A dozen assorted... (laughs) Including one... (laughs) And a... It, Miss Bandersnatch. <laughs> Is there anything else? Well, here, under miscellaneous, there's a... Oh! Ew, that's very good. What is it? Oh, oh, I just caught my thumb in the filing cabinet. <laughs> the only other thing here is... Oh, yes, a horse wearing coconut shells. <laughs> now, what sound effects have we got out for this week's show? Well, for a start, there's... A... <laughs> Yes, yes, that's for the uh, world of work. Then there's the... <laughs> oh, yes, the Dales. <laughs> and, um, and finally, Mr Griswold, there's... Um... Thank you, the sound effects department of the BBC. And now, trends. This is the part of the show designed for the trendy, with it, pace setters, the people who are in. And if you're not in, well, don't worry, we'll stick a note through the door. Now, first of all, fashion. This year, there's something new in women's clothing. What? Men. 
Frilled shirts for evening wear have been very expensive up to now, but thanks to mass production, cheap frills are available for all. <laughs> and here's good news. Moleskin waistcoats are back again. Well, it might be good news for men, but it's bad news for moles, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, epilogue. I rather like that. <laughs> there are startling new developments in footwear. Unbrushed pigskin moccasins made from unbrushed pigs. <laughs> and a revolutionary new trend in casual wear. Elastic-sided goatskin boots made from elastic-sided goats. <laughs> Trends in the home. And here's a novel... And, and, uh, here's a novel... Here's... <laughs> Here's a novel heating idea. Why not set fire to your neighbour's house? <laughs> why not, why not do we not do what the Duchess... <laughs> Can't get it out. Why not do what the Duchess of Stalesforth does to discourage unwanted guests? Wire the door knocker to the electric mains. <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon. That should have read... Why not do what the late Duchess of Stalesforth did? Garbage disposal units in the kitchen are always a problem. Why not hire Bill Pertwee? He'll eat anything. <laughs> What's new decor-wise? If you're looking for something offbeat and amusing to make your home talked about, here are a few hints. Well, a novel idea to fill that odd corner. Why not take a Commonwealth Garden stuffed gorilla and convert him into a standard lamp? Be sure that the gorilla is not only stuffed, but dead. <laughs> or you'll have endless trouble inserting the flex. No. <laughs> It'll make an amusing talking point, and all in all, much simpler and cheaper than taking a standard lamp and converting it into a Commonwealth Garden stuffed gorilla. <laughs> Well, so much for this week's edition of Trends. And here to sing a track from their new LP, Sing Along with Jack the Ripper, are the Fraser Hayes Four.
so natural that you want to go to war. That's just the business band that I am. Honeyland, come on along, come on along. Let me take you by the hand up to the land. Now, ladies and gentlemen, episode three of the Chrysold Saga. I've fallen in love with love, for love is always new. I fell in love with love, my love, when I fell in love with you. Uh, we must apologise about the quality of that recording, but uh, it was actually made before the invention of the phonograph. <laughs> now, which of us can hear the voice of B. Clissold without feeling a twinge of nostalgia mixed with what can only be described as acute revulsion? <laughs> lady Counterblast, as she is now, is a, a grand old lady of the world of entertainment who has in her time given much pleasure in so many fields... Not to mention, uh... <laughs> Not to mention public parks, and, uh... <laughs> on one occasion... Well, we'll gloss over that for the moment. Last week, last week, I went down to her isolated country home at Chattering Parva to take up the threads of her story. Have you come to do my washing for three weeks? No, I haven't. No, uh, hello, Spasm. I, I've come to see Lady Counterblast. Go back to London, young man. Go back before it's too late. There'll be a bane on this house, a nameless evil, strange things lurk here. Go back, I tell ye. Go back. Go back. You, uh, you did that bit last week. <laughs> yes, it went round the world. I did okay. <laughs> Cross not these portals, young master. We be doomed, dear. Doomed. There be things here you what not of. And even if you did what them, you'd be appeared of them. Strange clankings and rattlings of chains and horrible gurglings. Good heavens, not the family ghost, the mad nun of chattering papa. No, tis the cistern. <laughs> ah, he'd be out of order again. I think there'd be a poltergeist in the ballcock. <laughs> What's that? Ah, it is the hound, the phantom hound, the hound of the counterblasts, a huge ravening beast with great jaws, enormous fangs and eyes like burning coals. 
we call it spot. He's <laughs> uh, part devil, part wolf, and part long-haired sealium. Hear it, hear it, Owlin. Yes, I do. Ah, uh, yes, you hear. She had a ghostly litter last week. Uh, yeah, we had the phantom vetter over here three times. The trouble is, you see, young master, nobody wants the pups. Well, ask the mad nun of Chattering Parver. I'm sure she'd take one off your hands. Uh, she ain't that mad. Ah, <laughs> uh, now, if you be set on seeing the mistress, you'd better follow me. Be careful of the cobwebs. I only put them up this morning. <laughs> In here. Tis the young master... The young master. Tis the young master, ma'am. Come in, Mr. Horn. All right, Spasm, you can leave us now. <laughs> We'd be all doomed. Doomed. I've got a touch of the doom. <laughs> You know, Mr. Horn, I don't think those tablets are working. <laughs> Sit down, my dear, and tell me what you want to know. Well, so far you've told us about your beginnings in the theatre and your first two husbands, but I believe at one time you performed on the music halls. Yes, yes, I performed many times. <laughs> many, 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 many times. <laughs> many... Many, many times. I think I must have performed with all of the great stars. Yeah. Many times. <laughs> Dan Lino, Little Titch, and Once for Charity with um, Harry Lauder. <laughs> mm, yes, indeed. They were exciting days. The year was 1910. I remember I was playing in pantomime at the Hoban. I played Aladdin against George Roby's Twanky. <laughs> what a host of stars we had in that show. The Flying Goldbergs, Captain Spock. Liberty Goat <laughs> and of course Dennis the comical pantomime horse one night, I was in my dressing room when Mr. Triffid, the stage manager, knocked on my door Are you respectable, Miss Clissold? That's neither here nor there, come in <laughs> There's a horse here to see you Ask it in. Oh, this way, gentlemen. Good evening, Miss Clearsold. Allow me to present ourselves. I am, uh, that is, we are Dennis the Comical Horse. That is, I am Cecil, to wit the front end, and my brother Sidney behind me, he's the twit at the back end. <laughs> we in, are, in fact, the brothers Runcible. Say hello to the ladies, Sidney. <laughs> oh, I'm pleased to meet you. Won't you take your skin off and sit down? <laughs> oh, thanks, that's awfully, but we'll do on in a moment. We just can't abide, say. <laughs> Sidney. <laughs> How many times have I got to tell you not to smoke in the back end of the skin? <laughs> Stop it out this minute. <laughs> Not there! I have to forgive him, miss. He's got the manners of a horse's back end. <laughs> 
we, uh, we watched your specialty from the wings tonight and we just wondered if you'd care to have dinner with us after the show. Oh, I'd be delighted. How kind of you to ask. I'll be ready at 11.30. Oh, thank you. Oh, Miss Clearsail, you've made us the happiest horse in London. Gee up, Sydney. <laughs> Can I get you anything, Miss Clissell? No, thank you, waiter. And you, Mr. Runcible. More hay? Uh, no, thank <laughs> How about two, Sidney? I, I think he's saying he wants to come out of the skin. No, 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 no. He's all right in the back there. Don't pamper him. No, no, please, please, please do let him out. I'm dying to meet him. Oh, all right, then. Do I give him a hand with the buttons? <laughs> There you are, Sydney. Oh, oh, that's better. Well, I must say, that's very nice, isn't it? Standing there in your pants and vest. <laughs> well, there's no point in getting dressed up back there. Nobody sees me. I'm just a drudge. Not. It's true. Not. It is. Shut up. <laughs> My brother, miss, yes, he gets all the glory. Oh, you'll see a bit of life up front, the laughing faces of the kiddies. All I see is his back end. I mean, where's the glamour in there? <laughs> I think it's such a shame. Oh, ignore him, do. It's like that all the time. Moan, moan, moan. <laughs> it's no wonder I'm known. I live like an animal back there. Huddled up there in the dark. It's like the black hole of Calcutta. <laughs> Won't even let me read. I have told you before, you're not having a candle in there. <laughs> weak, irreparable damage. Anyway, Miss Clissold, Sydney and I have talked it over and we feel we, we need a bit of glamour in our act. Yes, we want if you would oblige. Join our act. Yes. You could ride us bareback about the stage. Yes. And perform numerous feats of a risible nature with us, such as whacking Taylor and Charlie here with a broom or, or trying to milk him off. Something. <laughs> we haven't worked out the details yet. Well, you see, the crux of it is, I mean, in a nutshell, would you do a turn with us? How can I refuse? And so, Lady Counterblast, you joined the act. Yes, and we enjoyed tremendous success. But unfortunately, all was not well backstage. You see, Cecil Runcible fell in love with me. And you reciprocated? Many, many times. <laughs> but I also reciprocated with Sidney. You see, he was in love with me too. Oh, dear. What a contrast they were. Fat, rich, ugly Cecil, the front end. And slender, timid, wistful Sidney. He was the reverse. But, but, you see, Cecil was so possessive. One night, he came into the dressing room unexpectedly and found Sidney and I in each other's arms. So, this is what I find going on behind my back, eh? I come in to find the woman I love kissing my back end. <laughs> I'm afraid you put your hoof in it this time. But I love her, Cecil. And I love her too. You can't. I can and I do. You mean it. <laughs> it's always like that to me. 
But I tell you, I do love her. And I can offer her things. What things? Well, little things that mean so much to a girl like her. Money, jewellery, position. What can you offer? The simple, pure love of the hindquarters of a bay gelding. <laughs> Beatrice, choose. Choose between us. Yes. Must I? Yes, the time has come to choose ends. My choice was very simple, Mr. Horn. Either to marry fat, rich, ugly Cecil, who only wanted to buy me, to own me, or poor, timid, wistful Sydney, who could offer me nothing but love. Naturally, I married fat, rich Cecil. What an unutterable story. And what became of poor, timid Sidney? He left show business and joined the Foreign Legion. As a renunciation of the world? No, as the back end of a camel. What a moving lot of old codswallop that was, wasn't it? <laughs> next week, we shall continue to fly in the face of reason with the next episode of the Clissold Saga. Now, before I go, the limerick competition. Last week, we supplied the first two lines of a limerick, which we asked you to complete, and the winner was a Mrs. Southam of Blackheath who sent us this entry. A TV contestant called Fox once opened the mystery box... The prize was divine, a weekend for nine at a Doss house at Dagenham Docks. <laughs> well done, Mrs. Southam. Now, here is this week's uncompleted limerick. Your first two lines are these. An animal breeder called Gluck once crossbred a hamster and duck. Now, have you got that? <laughs> I'll repeat it. An animal breeder called Gluck once crossbred a hamster and duck. Right, now, all you have to do is to supply the last two lines, or three lines, really. Entries, please, to me, care of the BBC, London W1. And to the best entry goes this week's prize, a model of a box of matches made entirely from the Taj Mahal. <laughs> well, that's all for now, except for this week's appeal. Help! That was Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Paul Fenelay and the Hornblowers, with incidental music composed by Edwin Brennan. The script was written by Barry Talk and Marty Feldman, and the recorded programme was produced by John Simmons.